Lukote Sichais, Parshas Truma, Chelek Tezayin Sichahi. In the Gemara, in the Tractate of Menachas, there is a debate regarding how the Menorah was fashioned. According to one opinion, the lamps were part of the body of the Menorah, because in the Torah the obligation is stated as to make the Menorah of hammered work, miksha, of one kikar zahav, of one piece of gold. Rashi explains this as beaten and hammered with branches separated into, un, into two sides and not in sections that are soldered together. Yet according to a second opinion in the Gemara, the lamps of the candelabra that held the lights were made separately and placed upon the menorah for lighting and removed for cleaning, for repair, and for preparation for lighting, and kept in the oil until returned to the top of the menorah branches. The Gemara connects this argument to the difference of opinion that seems to emerge regarding the crafting of the menorah in the Torah. The Torah teaches in verse 39 of Pasuklamites, in chapter 25, Perak Hafei, that the menorah is to be fashioned of kikar zohav tohar yasaisam, a talent of pure gold, a talent being a unit of weight used often in Torah, and concludes with the words eskol hakelim ha'ela, all these associated instruments relevant to the menorah that the Torah instructed us about in the previous verses to this one. If these words mean to include the neiris, the lamps, to be fashioned from this kikar zahov, this one piece of gold, this would be how they were all miksha, a single hammered item. Or was it that the menaira without the lamps would be miksha, and that these lamps would not be miksha, all hammered out of a single piece of gold. The law as determined by Maimonides regarding the Menorah is Menorah haba zahav kula kikar im seha kula miksha hakikar A Menorah made of gold because a Menorah could have been made of other material if gold was not available its total weight, including its lamps, should be made of one talent of gold and should be fashioned entirely by hammering the menorah out of this one piece of gold or this one block of gold with its lamps permanently fixed in the menorah. In other words, all formed of this talent of gold, one unit. Now Rashi, as we have frequently discussed, seeks to explain the literal intention of Torah in his commentary, even when it's not compatible with Torah law. A demonstration of this is seen here in our discussion in Rashi's opinion. As mentioned, the Gemara connects this argument, whether the lamps of the Menorah must be miksha, hammered of a solid piece together with the Menorah, to the debate whether all parts together were to be of one kikar zahav, of one piece of gold. The Ramban Nachmanides says, 
all agree that the weight of the menorah was one talent of gold, and he therefore explains, based on a brisa, that the lids on the flames and the saucers, accordingly, were part of and not separate vessels to the menorah, and were also hewn of this talent of gold. But Rashi says in explaining the words, kikar zohav toher, a block of pure gold, that the weight of the menorah, including all the implements, should be no more than a talent, indicating that the tongs and the scoops, as Rashi explains these implements, were separate to, though part of, the menorah, and part of the menorah's set talent of gold. As indeed in his explanation, Rashi, in telling us what these utensils are, little scoops for the ashes and tongues for the wicks, in other words, Rashi sees these separate utensils for the menorah, though as part of the one talent. His reason is perhaps that the simple understanding of tongs and scoops in several sources throughout Tanakh are separate, separate utensils from that which they are used for, like those used for the altar, for the Mizbeach, for example, as discussed in our Torah portion of Truma, where there are pots and shovels and scoops, all for the purpose of but separate from the altar. As well, Rashi understands the words in the verse, Kikar Zohav Toher, Yasa Isa is Kola Kalim Ha'ela, of one talent of pure gold, it should be made, and all these aforementioned vessels, in its simplest explanation to mean that the menorah and all its implements mentioned should be made of that talent of gold though not necessarily hammered out as a single thing. Accordingly, then, it turns out that, according to Rashi, that the work of hammering the entire menorah out of one piece of gold, with the one talent of gold set aside for the menorah, is not all interdependent, and if so, there's no proof for the lamps to be automatically considered to be hewn out of the gold as one piece with the menorah. At first glance, it appears that Rashi is of the opinion that the construction, the instruction to hammer out the menorah of the one piece of gold includes the lamps. In Posuk Lamed Aleph, in verse 31, in Perak Hafei, chapter 25 of our Torah portion, where we learn that the menorah should be formed of hammered work, Rashi explains that it must not be made in removable sections, that the branches and lamps should not be made individually and then attached. It must be constructed, Rashi explains, entirely from one piece beaten with a hammer and cut with a tool, and thereby the branches separate to each side. Since the branches may not be made individually and attached to the base, it would seem then to mean that the lamps are formed when hammering out the gold menorah and its branches together, like the Rambam teaches. As well, 
But upon taking a closer and more detailed look, there appears to be no proof for that, that the lamps must be of the single gold piece from which the menorah is made. Rashi says only that the words the menorah should be made of hammered work determines that the menorah must not be made in a way that its branches are connected after they are formed. It may not be made of individual and separate parts that are then connected. And just as these may not be separate parts and then joined to the menorah, the same is true for the lamps because then it wouldn't be from one piece. But actually Rashi doesn't talk about whether the lamps can be or and remain separate parts of the menorah and placed onto the tops of the branches. In other words, a menorah that is hammered out of one piece and nothing attached to it, which is why when Rashi concludes his explanation, he ends off talking only about the branches and not about the lamps. Now, since we don't have a clear determination from Rashi regarding the lamps, nor does Rashi say any idea, I don't know, as he says in other situations where there is no clear resolution to what the verse means, we must then say that the verse itself is actually so simple to understand regarding this that Rashi has no need to explain it because it's obvious from the verses. So how do we understand this? Let's look at the order of the vessels that teach us about the min- making of the menorah. First, in Parakofei in chapter 25, verse 31, Pesach Lamed Aleph, we read, V'osisa menorah zohav tahir, miksha te'aseha menorah, yerecha v'kona gvieha kafteireha, ufracheha mimena yiyu. You shall make a menorah of pure gold. The menorah shall be of hammered work, its base and its stem, its goblets, its knobs, and its flowers shall all be one piece with it. The details follow, and then only after all the instructions are given for the branches, the stems, and the goblets, and how all are to be hammered from one gold piece, the Torah tells us about the lamps, that they should be seven in number, and then about the tongues and the scoops of one pure piece of gold. The fact that the instruction regarding the lamps comes after all the details of the greater body of the menorah, and the instruction that all these be constructed of one piece of gold, is understood that according to the literal interpretation of Torah, which is what Rashi seeks to explain, The lamps are separate vessels to the main body of the menorah and are in the same category as the tongs and the scoops mentioned right after the menorah, right after the lamps, after the neiris. Additional proof regarding the lamps is found in the portion of Pekude, where Moshe will erect the mishkan and it is brought to him. The vessels of the Mishkan are all mentioned. The menorah is mentioned as the pure menorah. And then the verse reads, its lamps. This is a completely understandable verse if the lamps were indeed separate from the menorah. 
But if the menorah was entirely hewn of one piece of gold and the lamps were part of it, one can't say they brought the menorah and also the lamps because attached as one or made as one, bringing the menorah would then mean bringing the lamps. Looking to the portion of Ayakel, where the Torah again discusses the building of the Mishkan and its vessels, we will accordingly, on the basis of Rashi's opinion, see that the lamps were not included in the command to hammer the menorah of one piece of gold, as we understand the various differences and peculiarities in Rashi. In contrast to the Torah's discussion of the menorah, in our portion of Truma. In the portion of Ayakil in Periklamet Hay in chapter 35, the Torah teaches that every wise-hearted person among the nation should come make everything God had commanded. The mishkan, the tent, the cover, the clasps, the planks, the pillars, etc. All the parts of the mishkan are listed, and then all the vessels of the mishkan, and in verse 14, in Pasuk Yedalad, we read, V'es menoiras ha-ma'or, v'es keleha, v'es seha, and the menoira for lighting, its utensils, and its lamps. Rashi quotes the words seha and explains this to be selouz in Old French, spoons in which the oil and the wicks were placed, which brings up the following questions. In our portion in Truma, Rashi explains the words esnereseha, the lamps, where they are mentioned for the very first time in Torah, as cups into which oil and wicks were placed. Why the need to explain this again in Vayakel? More surprising yet, Rashi actually indicates in the portion of Vayakel, just a few verses earlier, that he has already given explanations for the Mishka and the service around it in the place in Torah where they were initially commanded to build it. For that reason, unless there is a new idea or a novel idea that we need to know, Rashi mostly does not explain the donations in the vessels of the temple again, because he can depend on the previous, his previous and earlier explanations. So if Eshaneres, the lamps, have already been explained in the portion of Truma, where this mitzvah is commanded, why repeat the explanation again here in Vayakil? As well, why does Rashi add the old French word for these utensils in his explanation in Vayakil? If the word bazichen, spoons or cups for the oil of wicks, wasn't a sufficient explanation and the old French word is needed to understand what this was, wouldn't it have made sense for Rashi to tell us this here in Parsha's Truma, where he explains Eshaneris the first time? And if the explanation is sufficient, without the added word in the Old French, why does Rashi add it in the portion of Vayakel? We'll understand this via the understanding of another very specific difference that we see in Rashi's explanation on this verse in Vayakel. We have often discussed how every word and even letter in Rashi is very specific. Not only the words Rashi uses to give his explanation, but even the words Rashi quotes from the verse which he explains. Those too are very specific. 
The words in this verse in Vayakel again are V'es menoros ha-ma'or, v'es keleha, v'es neroseha, v'es shemen ha-ma'or. The menorah for lighting, its implements and its lamps, and the oil for lighting. Rashi gives us three individual and separate explanations on this verse. Rashi quotes the words v'es keleha and its implements and explains what they are. Rashi then quotes the word Neiraseha, its lamps, and gives his explanation, beginning with the word in Old French. And then Rashi quotes from the verse Es Shemen Ha-Mohar, and explains how wise people were also required for the making of the oil. Very stark differences between the first and last quotes, where Rashi quotes the word preceded, as it is in the verse, with the word ve'es, versus the second explanation, where Rashi quotes only ne'roiseha, and no ve'es, even though the verse says ve'es here too. But based on the fact that Rashi doesn't hold that the lamps were miksha, hammered of one piece, and actually part of the menorah itself, we must then say that when the verse states Kikar Zohav Tor, Yase Oisa, Eskola Kelimoela, he shall make it the menorah of a talent of pure gold with all the implements in our Parsha in Truma. The lamps are not included in Oisa in the making of the menorah, but rather in the vessels for the menorah. But when we get to the portion of Ayakel in the verse, that reads, and the menorah for lighting, all its vessels and its lamps. And this actually becomes complicated if keleha do indeed, its vessels do indeed include the lamps. Why are they mentioned here individually, neiroiseha? And in order to explain this issue, Rashi quotes, v'es keleha, and says keleha are the tongs and the scoops then quotes only the word Neiroiseha to say that these lamps are part and parcel of the Eskeleha, of the implements of the Menorah. So the verse is to be understood as the Eskeleha, its implements, which are the tongs and the scoops and the lamps. There is yet one challenging issue, and that is why in the Pasuk, in the verse itself, the lamps are delineated with specificity among all the vessels of the Menorah. Es keleha the es neiraiseha, to which Rashi responds with the words, the word in Old French, seluz, which has the word light at its root. And the reason the lamps are called lights is because they define the entire purpose of the menorah to create light, light that burns from the wicks in the oil. And since these lamps are the essential point of the entire menorah, it is thus understandable why the Torah delineates them specifically in the verse in Vayakel from the other vessels of the Menorah, as well as in our verse in Parsha's Truma.
They are delineated specifically and stand alone as Nereseha defining the very purpose of the Menorah.